Blog Talk Radio. This is the Back Porch Writer Podcast, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. It's live, fun, and informative. Each week, I chat with writers, editors, and industry pros to give you and me a heads up about this whole new awesome publishing world. Back Porch Writer is about creating the life that you want through writing and publishing. Are you ready to tap submit? Let's explore the possibilities together. Welcome to Back Porch Writer. Welcome to Back Porch Writer, the show for writers, about writers, and writing. I'm your host, Corey Miller, and today is September 20th, 2017. And let me just tell you right now, my day started in an awe-inspiring way. So here's what happened. Kids and I got in the car, like we do every morning to go to school. Well, you know, because school has started. So we're going across the Platte River. Now, the Platte River is pretty neat. If you've never looked at it, you should get pictures or whatever. Because, you know, we've got this river and it has all these sandbars. And just you can tell when the, the water's been you know too high or it's low or whatever based on those sandbars and how many you can see. So we're crossing the, the Platte. And I say to my son, who's sitting in the front seat with me, um, look at that bird. Look at that bird. And I'm pointing. I'm like, look at the bird. Totally distracted. Sorry, shouldn't be a distracted driver, but this is what happened, so I'm being honest. Okay, so I see this bird, and initially I thought, you know, here's this black bird, but it, it just caught my attention. And so I say, hey, is that the eagle? And my sister says, I don't, I don't think so. I'm like, no, 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 it's an eagle, it's an eagle, it's an eagle, it's right, there's an eagle, it's an eagle, it's an eagle. And so now we're all excited, we're all in the car, and totally excited because we see this eagle, and we see them periodically. I'm not going to lie, but it's always so awe-inspiring when we see them. I don't know why. It just is. So we see this eagle just sort of soaring, and then it's going to go land over on a sandbar in the river. That is a beautiful way to start the day. And we all high-fived, and then we went on our merry little way to to school, and I dropped them off, and I went off to to Paris Substitute at a local public school for preschool, which was also an interesting and fun experience. You know, preschool – that's a whole other ball of wax, let me tell you. you know, these are three- and four-year-olds, mostly four-year-olds, um, none of whom, well, with the exception of maybe one, has uh, been spotted or diagnosed with any particular behavioral challenges, but nothing that I would consider um, major, extreme, or anything like that. It's behavior challenges. Um, but these kids are so fun. I mean, the things that they, the way that they look at the world. So let me give you an example. So this morning, before the Eagle incident that was fabulous, I went down to our basement. And our basement is a really old basement. I live in a very old house. And so there's places where things can get in, like spiders and all that. And they want to come in now because our weather's getting a little, you know, sometimes it's cold in the morning and then cool or hot in the afternoon and it gets cool in the evening. So these spiders want to come in and I hate them. I've mentioned this before, I'm terrified of spiders, and I've been working on it, but I'm afraid of them, I can't help it, I the panic just, ooh, over, it just takes me over, I can't even describe it, so I saw the one spider, and it was a good, you know, half dollar size spider, it's a wolf spider, and um, they're not that pleasant, quite frankly, and so I got a broom, because I really can't get close to these things, I just, I, the panic just takes over, so I got a broom, and I went to kill it, and then I turn around, I'm going to go upstairs, and there's one on the wall, so now I'm really freaked out because I can't climb up the stairs because the spider is there. So I have to deal with the spider. So I, you know, handle the spider and kill it. But the whole time I'm thinking, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm sorry that I have to kill you. 
because I've got these Buddhist principles running through my head that I shouldn't kill the spider. And I feel really guilty now because I killed these two spiders. So then I go to the preschool and I'm talking with the kids. We're sitting, we're, I don't know what we're doing, but there's a group of us just sitting and we're talking. We're just having one of those, you know, weird conversations, I guess. And actually not even weird, just insightful. Actually it was insightful, this conversation. Because I'm relating to them how I found these two spiders in, in the basement and how I felt guilty because I killed them, but I was terrified of them. I mean, that's not even an exaggeration. I'm terrified of spiders. And it took a lot for me to deal with the spiders. And this little girl says, I said, I felt guilty because I killed them. You should have just trapped them. <laughs> this is what she said to me. You should have gotten something. You know, you could have used the broom to just sweep them into something. And I said, you're right. I just didn't have anything to put them in. And, and then I would have... You know, I would have had to get close to them or gotten close to them, and I couldn't do it. Yeah, you, you should have just swept them into something. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, this is just the, the eye-opening brilliance of someone who's four, right, who's looking at the world going, everything is beautiful. <laughs> That's what her perspective is. And I, I should have handled things differently. And I, you're absolutely right. I should have handled things differently. Um, I was terrified, but you're right. I agree with you. I probably could have handled it differently. So it was, that was probably my awe-inspiring moment of the day, the second one, first one being the eagle, and then the conversation with this four-year-old at the preschool was just phenomenal, absolutely. And I had a few of those throughout the day, but that was the one that just sort of stood out to me because she was really thinking it through. So I guess my question to you is, what was awe-inspiring for you today? And if you have one you'd like to share, go over to backportrier.com and shoot me a message so I can hear about it, and then I can tell everybody about it on the show. So tonight... Speaking of awe-inspiring stories, um, I have an author on the show, uh, Will William Bunch. I hope I'm saying his name correctly. I probably should have asked him that when I talked to him before the show, but hopefully he'll correct me, so it's all cool. Um, anyway, so he's written a book that, you know, I titled the show, How to Write a War Story That's Not. Well, because he's written a story about a, a, a person, in this case a guy, who um, has served military, he has PTSD, and then he comes back and he's of course dealing with all these different challenges, but he's decided to go back to school and the, the things that he encounters as he goes through that process. And so I don't want to mess any of it up. So I'm going to bring Will onto the show and welcome him so that he can tell us all about his book and why he decided to write it. Will, welcome to Back Porch Writer. Hi, thank you for having me. Hello, everybody. You're welcome. <laughs> all right. So first of all, Tell everybody a little bit about the book so they have the background of the story. Wow. Um, well, first I want to – I love that story about awe-inspiring because it's amazing when you look at kids through the, four, the eyes of a four-year-old because they see and look at things from a total different perspective. And then also just the thing about a, an eagle, and I'll segue into eagle because um, my story is about a, a young man who uh, served two tours in, in uh, combat, and basically – he got wounded and came back, and he's now, in essence, he's trying to become free of the PTSD and the memories from the from the um, from the uh, things that he's done in his past. So it's a journey, for t- trying to move forward, but yet you're still kind of caught in the past. And mm-hmm. he has to enroll in school, and um, he returns to church because his original roots. Um, he was raised in the church. He veered away. And in essence, it's a story about finding peace and finding your own sense of normalcy in spite of the challenges that you're facing today and in the, the potential challenges you're facing because you're learning how to, do, you, how to write, how to do things differently than what you've 
become accustomed to in the past. Mm-hmm. Which can be exceedingly difficult for anybody. Most definitely. I mean, you know, I mean, from a, I, I study habit formation and behavior analysis and a few other things. And, you know, just to change a seemingly simple habit can be very difficult for someone, whether that's smoking or exercising regularly or whatever it might be. So I think when you put on top of that, someone who's coming back, I mean, I just can't even imagine what that would be like. You know, I I think uh, to tap on to what you were saying about behavior analysis, I think I read somewhere that it takes 21 days to break a, to, to break a habit or form a new habit, something that effect. And I can't imagine what it's like um, just to come back and try to – I'll give you an example. When I came home from the military – it took me a while to get acclimated from being uh, in the military to civilian life. And it was hard because of my job, I worked in the intel field. My job was a critical job that I mm-hmm. needed to be accurate, needed to be, I'm used to uh, rigidity in some ways, but I'm used to habit and forms. And then when I got mm-hmm. out, uh, I became a civilian. I noticed that people worked at a total different pace. Some yes, people, they do. <laughs> some people were slackers. <laughs> Uh, a lot of people were slackers compared to the life that I knew in the military. Not that we didn't have slackers in the military because the military is a microcosm of society, but I was used to doing things a certain way, and also there was an intensity, and also there was a a purpose that it had to be done because somebody else's life on a smaller scale relied on it, and on a larger scale we are protecting the ideals of democracy. So for me it took a long time. I would say maybe six months to maybe maybe nine months just to get back into the flow of being a civilian. So I can only imagine what it takes for a combat veteran who comes back from going from who's able to go from zero to 100, uh, a hundred, right. a state of awareness, and trying to uh, in, in, a, in a combat situation. And now he has to go back to well, I'm walking through the park and walking through the mall, and things mm-hmm. are very quiet. So you're playing well, why? It's too quiet. So you now you start replaying. Well, I don't. I'm not used to this quiet. So, so it was a challenge. You know, it was a challenge for me. But I had to try to do some research and dig and answer questions and do some interviews. And I felt that um, this was one thing that I felt passionate about because um, for one, I'm a fourth generation vet. My great granduncle served in the Civil War. Uh, my father served in Vietnam. My grand both grandfathers served during World War II. And I had a, a granduncle served in World War One, and another one that served in the Korean War. So we we have a stop, uh, uh, we have a strong uh, tradition, like probably a lot of other people also, because the, all of these gentlemen I just named beforehand, uh, relatives, were uh, serving uh, involuntarily. So they were drafted. So I'm actually the first generation to serve voluntarily. But I mm-hmm. saw, I saw the residual effects of them coming home, not necessarily PTSD, because back then I. Uh, the words, I think they were called um, shell shock or battle fatigue, depending right. on what generation these, uh, the, the men right. served in. But I saw the residual effects of alcoholism because they were trying to mask some of the things that they've seen or the experiences mm-hmm. they, that they had. And that always mm-hmm. troubled me. So I said, you know what, this is something that is deep and it's, 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 a, it's something close to me, and I, I'd like to find a way to make, to write a story to talk about mm-hmm. the battle outside of the battle. So that's, mm-hmm. that's how I kind of uh, got into, um, into, into writing this story. 
Well, and that's what made me finally decide to title this episode how I did, the whole how to write a war story that's not, because I was over on Amazon reading some of your reviews, and you have about 13 or so reviews, all of which are very good. I mean, the, the, there's one three-star review, and that person really enjoyed the story. Um, they, they weren't a verified reviewer, but they enjoyed the story. And everyone else that was a verified reviewer enjoyed the story. They really appreciated uh, the character development, um, the story itself, how you handled uh, PTSD, all that. And I will be honest with you, that is what made me go, well, I, I need to go and read some of this. And so I went and I read a few pages and I went, oh, okay, that depressed me. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> but that's because I'm not someone who, I, my daughter gets this from me. I, I don't like to read things that make me sad. And I've mentioned that on the show before. <laughs> okay. I like to hide from some of that. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so, and part of the reason, let me back this up. Part of the reason is because I dealt in, for many years, I was working in situations in welfare to work situations where I was dealing with people who had to deal with really harsh environments. And so I was seeing things and exposed to things that were just not pleasant. And so, for example, when boys, uh, when boys in the hood came out, that movie many, many years ago, somebody asked me, did I see it? And I said, why would I go see that? I already know about that. (laughs) From a reality perspective, I'm kind of familiar. I don't want to have to actually see it up on the big screen. And that's kind of how my brain works. Okay. But I will say, I'm re- I was reading your the first, it was probably the first chapter I think that you have up on Amazon or something. But I was reading it and I thought, oh my God, this is really good. <laughs> you know, and I was into it and I'm thinking, but I can't because it's going to make me sad. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thank you for, for well, hopefully I'm glad I connected. <laughs> um, you did, you really did. And it was just. I, I like, and I wanted to ask you this, why did you set it up the way that you did? Because the way you have this set up is that when it opens, I mean, I hope I'm on the right chapter. When I, when it opens, at least for the review, the parts that's on Amazon, you've got this character who you learn as you read has been shot, I think multiple times. Yes. Um, and so you read about that. That is the beginning, right? Yes, it is. Okay. That is a phenomenal beginning. It was really good. <laughs> Well, thank you. And you're welcome. And so I kept reading, and, I, and then I was like, why did he set it up like this? You know, so to answer that, why did you set it up like that? <laughs> well, I, I wanted to, I wanted to grab it, grab the attention of the reader right away. And typically, it, it, it's usually uh, I've seen different techniques in movies or, um, or in stories. It's the action that does it, and I felt this was a moment that was a powerful moment. Um, and I felt that this is the moment where I can bring some emotion in. I can connect with the reader right away because they can, they can read it and go, whoa, 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 what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Let me, if I put that out front in the first chapter now, the reader's going to say, okay, well, let me find out what led up to this. What happened? That's right. What happened before this? And, um, now, some people may, may may be not offended, but may find it a little uh, be a little squeamish about it. But others, I wanted to grab their attention from the minute they opened the first page, and then if they, mm-hmm. and then once I grabbed their attention, I figured now I have the reader where I want them because now I'm going to tell a story. 
Right. And you know what's really interesting to me is that I've already said I don't like to read things that make me sad. <laughs> and so I'm, I'm reading that first part. And that got my attention. So I'm that, for you as an audience person, I'm that reluctant reader. I'm that reader for you who'd be like, no, I'm not reading this. <laughs> so for me, for me to go, oh, my God, that was really good. And then I kept reading. And so I was trying to figure out, why did you set this up like this? And, and then it goes from there to these different people speaking at a funeral. And, you know, oh, God, this is not going to be good. It's just going to hurt. <laughs> and yet. I kept reading, <laughs> right? right? So, I mean, that was brilliant. I kept reading because I had to know. So that, that, that empathy, compassion part of me really wanted to know what the heck happened. Why is this happening the way it's happening? I just thought it was brilliant, honestly, Thank the way you. They, that it's set up. Um, you. You're welcome. I, you know, I just, I like to be honest with people. I, I really like that. And like I said, I'm not, I'm not one of those easy readers. I'm, I just kind of go, no, I don't like it. Or yeah, I do. <laughs> I <can> put <laughs> <You know>? it down. <laughs> I'm just done. You know, I, I'm like that. Um, and even in something that I've read that I didn't care for, I can usually find something that is, okay, that was cool or whatever. And I can say, well, I don't care for this type, but here's what is cool. Uh, but this is, it was just, that was really intriguing. And the other thing that made me, it reminded me of, since you brought the movie thing, there's a movie and I don't remember the name of the movie. I can picture the actor, um, and I don't know his name. But it starts kind of that way, where this, and he's not, it's, it's not that he's been shot, but he's about to be. That's kind of how they set it up, where he's on a rooftop, and somebody has a gun to his head. <laughs> kind of starts there. And, oh, that, and, that, and, I like the technique. I think it's a powerful technique, because it, yeah. it sets the reader up, or the viewer yeah. up, to say, okay, what's going on? And right. it takes it's, you into oh that God, moment. What? what and it creates stress. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. That's right. It does create stress. It is a stress. It's a shock to your system. You're like, okay, what happened here? So you're now on the edge of your seat. You're tight. Your, hey. shoulder, your, your shoulders are, uh, are like teacups on your ears right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, but it works. Okay. It works. <laughs> it, it does work. And it worked, it worked well here. So that begs the question, okay, so in the back of your head, when you were setting this up, did you, you know, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, oh, I might try and make this a movie someday? Well, <laughs> what were you, oh. what's going on? <laughs> well, I, I, ideally, I do think this is movie, movie worthy, uh, not from a uh, monetary, monetary um, or selfish um, perspective, but I think the story itself is a different story than what we've normally seen because sometimes we're so inundated with war stories that, there's so many, we, we don't focus, we focus on the warriors, but we don't focus on the other warriors and the ancillary effects of war and how it affects the people around. So I think that's why this book is a special book in that regard, because I felt, you know what, I want to see something where let's look at the ancillary people, because I was one of those ancillary people, uh, uh, people looking at my relatives, or there was a, there was a couple of guys. There was a guy in my neighborhood. There was a homeless guy I used to see. There was a Vietnam vet, and he always had his he had his backpack on. He had mm-hmm. everything he had on himself, and the kids used to make fun of this guy. And then there was another guy I used to see. Um, he came back from Vietnam. He still lived with his mom. This is right after I got out of the military. He still lived with his mom. He probably was like. I forgot how old the guy was, but he had this big boombox, and he was always listening to 70s music. And then mm. he had a 
conversation where he saw me in uniform one day, and we talked, and he shared a conversation with me, but he obviously was affected, and then his mother was affected also because he's back home, he's a grown man. So those mm-hmm. are the things that I thought that that's what I wanted to talk about. Uh, that was my message here because uh, today, I just I think two days ago they just sent 3,000 other troops to Afghanistan. And the mm-hmm. bottom line is that if we as – if the soldiers – there's a saying, no one gets left behind. Mm-hmm. You either come back alive or dead, but you're coming back. And mm-hmm. if no one gets left behind, if that happens on the battlefield, I thought we as civilians should find a way to make sure they don't get left behind when they come home. Right. Why? That's my message. So we have to find a way that, that, that these young men and women who are coming home, they're going to come home. Not all of them are going to come home alive, but not all of them are going to come home um, emotionally intact. Right, the way they left. That's that's right. What do we have left? What do they have left to give their children, their grandchildren? So these are the things I wanted to focus on to say, you know what, guys? We have to take care of our men and women better, so let me put a spotlight on the other wounded warriors. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think sometimes people have a hard time who are not military people or not within that realm, ancillary sort of uh, realm, have a hard time understanding and relating to that experience, the the whole PTSD experience. But there are other people who experience it, PTSD, because of other traumatic events. Yes. And and it's a similar sort of thing. Uh, but I think that's part of what happens is that people are like, well, I just can't relate. You know, I, I just, I don't get it. You know, I mean, I've met, like you, I've met lots of people, homeless people who were veterans and they carry everything in a bag, you know, and that's it. And I, I couldn't relate to it at the time, but then I was in New York. I used to live in New York, in the city. And okay. I was there for, I was there during 9-11. Oh, wow. And okay. one of the things... One of the things that stuck with me was I, I got in the habit of always having a bag that had all my stuff in it that I absolutely had to have. And it was mm-hmm. directly related to the event. And so that was the thing that made me go, oh, I get it now. Right. I understand why you're doing that. And, you know, mm-hmm. and when I came back to Nebraska, I was only coming back to Nebraska. That's where I'm now. I was only coming back to Nebraska for like a week at a time or, or whatever. And I can remember meeting some people who they, you know, they knew about, 9-11, but they didn't know about it. <laughs> so they're right. talking about it. And here I am with my bag that has my stuff that I have to have, right? right. And I'm just in there. It was sort of a surreal experience. You know, I just sit there and go, oh, hmm, that's interesting. <laughs> that's right. That's right. But that, that was the only way I could, I learned to relate to that experience. And then my conversations with anyone after that, that I met that was a homeless veteran, completely different conversation because I, I got it better. It wasn't that I got it 100%, but I got it better than what I had before. And, and so you just said something. It's about relatability and connecting with people. And sometimes we yeah. have certain tools to connect to people or certain bridges. And sometimes it's events. Sometimes it can be just a conversation, and then that leads to another conversation. And how do mm-hmm. we, you know, we, we work with these young men and women because everyone has a different set of needs and mm-hmm. their exposure is different. So we, I, my goal is to basically have this, have this book as a conversation opener and find a way to help one person heal, to help one right. person. And I don't know how. Um, I, you know, in the past, I've raised funds for uh, Wounded Warriors Project as well as uh, Puppies Behind Bars. 
and I try to find a way. I got to find you. Every person I think has to find, they have to do their civic duty and find at least one way to connect to help somebody. And mm-hmm. it's probably a little bit above, above and beyond thank you for your service. It's a little bit more than that. And right. we just have to find a way, and that's my goal, because I figure, you know what, they did. We, we're free. This democracy is, is, is this way. We have a lot of freedoms, and you know what, I think these men and women deserve better. Well, it's like people say, it's not free. <laughs> that's exactly free. right. It's not free. Somebody, <laughs> it's not free at all. Won't <laughs> pay the price. Mm-hmm. And um, so it's, it's tough, you know, but um, I, I'm doing my best. I'm understanding it better as well. So it's, it's still a learning process. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I think is interesting, you have your book on Amazon in some categories, and I don't know if you, you did this or someone did this for you, but they're in some categories that are really targeted, very good categories for the book. And one of them, from the, the Kindle store perspective, it's in um, literature fiction, African-American Christian, and then it's in uh, Christian books, Bibles, literature fiction, African-American, and then it's in Kindle store, Kindle ebooks, literature fiction, genre fiction war and it's doing really well i don't know if you've looked at that um but it's doing really well i mean in the paid store it's like number sixty-four thousand ish but in each of your categories the first two it's number 66 and number 68 and then it's number 700 in the kindle store for the genre fiction war which is from my perspective pretty phenomenal considering how many war type books come out to be at 700 is pretty darn good um, so it's, it's the category selection has been really good. Um, did did you do that, or did you have help with that? I I, re- I researched um, those categories, and um, it was a couple. It was a guy I think his name was David Garen. He had a book about uh, visibility, and mm-hmm. I re- re- he gave a couple of tips on how to mm-hmm. to categorize, categorize your story. Because mm-hmm. what happens that because there are million there I read somewhere there's like seven thousand books being published every day. You have to find a way to, one, to compete, compete realistically. That was the first thing, and I thought, and I thought that was key because initially I figured this is just a war book, but what happened is that a war book, that's too general. So right. and especially considering the content, because, because this young man was brought up in the church, there is a spiritual component to the story. So I have to – I cannot – Look, at, I cannot overlook that audience uh, uh, perspective as well. So I mm-hmm. said, well, you know, I have to be more specific. So that area I, I chose, and also I chose African American um, as well. So it's so it's um, it was it was a specific way, and I'm glad I ran across that because that they made a huge improvement um, on the ranking um, earlier last week. It was number eight in two, in, in two categories mm-hmm. and 123 mm-hmm. in the war category. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it spiked. Um, once I made that transition, it was a huge um, plus for me, and we're doing extremely well. Yeah, and it, it really is important. I know one of the questions I ask people when they want to come on the show is, you know, what what have you done for marketing with marketing, and what kind of advice do you have, and all that. And I knew from looking at these numbers that you had done something, because yeah. not a lot of authors with whom I speak understand that and how the Amazon algorithm works. Haven't done their homework. And I knew from looking at that that you had, you or someone had done something. Um, yeah, I did. I've been I'm researching daily. I'm researching daily, trying to find as much as I can because, as an independent uh, writer, the tools are you know in the internet. Thank God for the internet. 
because there's so much information out there, and that's the plus side. There's so much information. That's also a negative side because there's so much information. <laughs> so you have to filter yeah. through what's valuable. And I love researching. When I write, one of my, I love researching and learning new things. But mm. the problem with that is there's so much. You're looking like it's a diamond um, mm-hmm. in the rough. So you're looking through this mm-hmm. data to find out what's going on. So mm-hmm. that has helped me. Um, it's helped me. Uh, the research has helped me. It's also helped me in terms of appearing in Barnes and Nobles. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, it's you know so it's been the research process has been great and um, I have you know I booked more um, I'll, I'll be at Barnes and Noble this Sunday here in, uh, in Scarsdale um, mm-hmm. and that's you know so basically these things one by one by one they all connected and it's just a matter of me t- t- digging and um, and praying <laughs> mm-hmm. and, um, and and asking for the guidance in the right direction of what information is going to help me go here. Who do I need to talk to? So it's it's a lot of uh, a couple of components, but um, but that's but but I definitely um that information definitely helped me in terms of uh, ranking, and then it, it's it's been a spike, and um, we hope to continue to keep the, move, the momentum moving. Well, and the thing that's interesting to me is that you published the book from where I was looking at in October, I think October first, two thousand sixteen, right from the Amazon page, which means it was about a year ago, and Correct. the ranking Almost. that you have right now. For a, you know, there's been almost a year. That's a phenomenal ranking to be able to do that. And I think you know, some people don't realize that. People get focused on New York Times bestseller and all that, and I get that. But to be able to maintain a certain ranking over a year's time, that's not too shabby. You <laughs> well, know, thank that, you. That's be, actually pretty I'm good. I'm just doing my best, doing the best I can, yeah. and hopefully maintain the momentum. That's all, and spread the word. Yeah. Well, and I think it, you know, part of it is. You've got a, a book and a message in your book that resonates with people, you know, particularly military, obviously, and then people. And it's not just military people with PTSD. Like I said, there's other people who have that challenge. That is correct. So it, it can resonate with a, a good amount of people, unfortunately, I have yes. to say. Yes, that's unfortunate correct, thing. unfortunately. Unfortunately. Um, but to bring attention to it in the way that you're trying to do is a phenomenal thing. So I, I think that's great that you're doing that. Um, but that begs the question now, okay, what are you going to do next? <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, um, I've been working on – I have two other books, three other books that I've been working on. I actually started them before this book. But I felt that um, this was the most relevant book at this time, so that's why I, I proceeded with this one. I have another one, I'm, another couple I'm working on, or I've, I've been redrafting. And um, I kind of want to keep my cards close to my chest, but I will tell you that there will be a veteran involved. (laughs) Um, But it will definitely be um, – I I don't want to be labeled as just a veteran writer uh, Mm -hmm. uh, or telling a war story because I think there's so many different stories and genres to approach. But I'm leaning more more towards a story on the science fiction – fantasy type of uh, vein. That's one of the other areas. Another area I was looking at, um, I was a former secretary, so I was looking at that area as well. So I have a couple of choices that I'm looking at, and I'm writing them. And I, Like in college, you're writing three or four different papers at one time for three or four different classes. Right. I'm doing the same thing with these different stories. So whichever one propels me uh, uh, emotionally in the, in, uh, uh, the, uh, the most, I'm going to work with that first. So I believe... Um, 
So I'm still toying with that, with, with what's going to be next. But um, I have a very good idea what I think is going to be next and the one I'm most passionate about. And it will be mm-hmm. relevant. I can promise you it will be relevant to uh, something that's going on today. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you know, the people who decide they want to tackle things that are relevant to today's politics or today's whatever, <laughs> like, wow, that's cool. I'm not going there with a nine-foot pole. But... <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad other people want to do it. <laughs> and I'll read their stuff. <laughs> but I think it's cool. Um, you'll you'll have to get back in touch with me when you have some other things that you want to tell people about for sure. Um, and if anything else comes up, you know, with regard to the current story, then you'll have to let me know. I should tell everybody it's Mercy's First Semester is the name of the book. It's over on Amazon. It's actually, you can get it everywhere. People just go look for it. It's Mercy's First Semester. And the the name Mercy comes from his name. I was a little confused by that. <laughs> I've met thousands of people, <laughs> you know, but it, for some reason wasn't clicking to me that it might be based on a person's last name. Yeah, pretty basic, but it was. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I'm tired. I was working with preschoolers. What do you want from me? <laughs> They wore you out, huh? Oh, my goodness. They're a lot of energy. They need to bottle that and sell it. They do wear you out because, you know, it's the why, why, why. That's right. That's right. But why? But why? And I love that because there's some great inspiration that comes from those things. But, oh, my goodness, it's tiring. But, yeah, they're awesome. They are absolutely awesome. Little kids just generally are awesome. They are. All their questions. Uh, But, anyway, Will. How can people get in touch with you if they want to know more about what you're writing? Um, well, my web, they can go to my website at wmbunche.com. That's wmbunch.com with the E on the end. They can go there, and um, I have a mailing list um, they can sign up for, and I'll be glad to um, to be in touch. And um, I'll have a, also as a page, I forgot the name of the page, but there's a page with uh, current events, uh, newsletters, and it's just telling you what 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 I'm doing and where I will be, and um, and that's it. I, you know that would be the great thing. And then they can email me also at uh, wmbunch at wmbunch.com as well. So those are two ways they can do it. And I'm also on Facebook as well as Twitter. So mm-hmm. just on the Twitter, my handle is wmbunch.com or at wmbunch.com, and you can look me up the same thing uh, Facebook at uh, wmbunch.com. And I'd love to hear from you. Um, I love interacting with readers. Um, I get ideas all the time, and I'm always curious about things and things. And I observe everything and try to figure out how does this relate to me and to the world at large, and is there a story? So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. so that's how and I, there I almost I, always is a story. <laughs> and that's right. There's always a situation, and there's always a story behind it. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for being with me. I I thoroughly enjoyed this, and good luck with continued good luck, you know, and everything with the book and everything you're going to do in the future. Thank you so much, Corey, for having me on your show, and God bless you, and I look forward to being in contact with you. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. All right. So go check his stuff out. He's got a great logo. I, I didn't mention this to him, but I love his logo on his website on WM Bunch, B-U-N-C-H-E. Um, over there. So go check that out. 
And then, of course, he's on Amazon, as I said, and I know Barnes Noble and Psychobo and a few other places. Be sure to leave reviews, you know, read his stuff and leave an honest review. That's all we ever ask as authors is leave an honest review. That does not mean or give license to you to be mean and nasty because we're human, too. and We have feelings, but you can be honest and we're cool with that. So go do that. Check it out. Um, great stuff. And I look forward to chatting with him again in the future. So, you know, if we went a little bit over time, I want to thank you so much for joining me here. I'm back. We're trying to show four rise about rise and writing. Until next time, pull up the chair, the cell, and write. Thanks for listening to Back Porch Writer. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe via iTunes so people just like you can find the show. If you've got comments, questions, or want to be a guest, visit BackPorchWriter.com for details. I'm your host, Corey Miller. Until next time, pull the chair, sit a spell, and write.